Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. So invited to this call are uh, current live investors. It's approximately like 250 of you guys. Um, nowadays, and um, the, the two biggest things, of course, that are the inspiration or the, the cause for today's calls is, of course, the coronavirus and also the OLA um, issues that's been happening. I'm not giving any legal or tax or any other kind of investment advice, and I'm certainly staying away from any health advice here kind of acting as a funnel for different news opinions out there. And um, today's presentation is, you know, we're not going to have a lot of answers, but I just want to capture everything for you guys. Um, just to summarize, obviously we all know that the uh, stocks have been getting killed, went down probably about a third of what it was. I think it's like the most, the quickest drop like ever. A lot of the news obviously is reporting that the uh, coronavirus is the cause of this uh, decline, but I think a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is it's also a issue with oil prices. The Saudis and Russia are basically having a big price war to get America um, out of the game in terms of the shale, and which is a sort of a code name for fracking, or as I like to call it, stimulating. Um, wells. Um, I'm not too excited about this. I went into an oil deal back in December by myself just to try it out. And you know, that's how you learn. You, you got to put money in the game. But um, I think we'll be fine. I think the people that are going to get hurt with these oil deals are the guys using debt for it. I mean, maybe this is a little bit sidetracked. You want to go into those oil deals with no debt because if anything changes, now the banks call your note due. Very, very nasty loan covenants with those things. And they, they know oil is a commodity. So any reason that they, they can to take back those oil um, rigs with the smaller oil production producers, which that's the deal I'm in. We're looking to build six rigs uh, with $3 million. So I'm not too excited about that, but I'm not using debt, so we should be fine. But Nevertheless, I just wanted to highlight the, what's going on in the oil because it's really two big things, the coronavirus and the oils, which is causing all this. I've been kind of taking screenshots every day and it's just, man, like you see, this is like the 2000 point Dow day. Uh, for those of you guys who don't follow the stock market, you know, anything bigger than 400, 500 point drop in the Dow is pretty monumental. And you've had like several thousand plus moves a day. Some of the newer news coming out that I'm trying to follow is the bailout packages coming out. One of the big ones that they're talking about first is bailing out the airlines. The airlines are kind of being a little sneaky here. What they're doing is they're buying back their own stock at a cheaper price, kind of taking, taking cash flow and, and hiding it there so that they look like better candidates for a government bailout. And look, I'm not trying to get political here, but um, that's just how it works. 
and um, government will probably continue to bail these guys out. So it's just not a matter of when or if, but when it'll happen and how it's going to happen. So a lot of you guys, I kind of tricked you guys to come into this webinar with a survey. You guys weren't invited to come to the survey unless you either invested with us in the past or you did a survey for us. So I just wanted to pull my group. I'd say at this moment, probably have like about 100 responses. So I think a pretty decent sample size. Uh, I just wanted to know, are you guys spooked or are you guys salivating over the fact that this is a true black swan event? And for those of you guys who don't know what a black swan is, you guys can look it up on Wikipedia or, you know, just Google it. But basically, you know, swans are white. Once in a while, you have that one black one. And it's sort of known as an anomaly. Summarize, the economy was actually doing really, really well before this all happened. And then basically, this is a big stick in the, the bike spoke, made things come to a screeching halt. So most of the respondees who did my survey here were accredited. Um, I don't know what the 7.7% of maybe. I don't know what you guys are thinking. <laughs> it's um, again, accredited investors are a million dollars net worth. And you don't need to go get any kind of certification. It's kind of like being pregnant. Either you are or you aren't. You either are accredited or you're not accredited. So most of the accredited investors did my survey. And I got a few slides here, some you know survey results, just to give you guys some insights. Definitely, it's a self-selecting group. You guys are of investment-minded and long-term driven and not really driven by fear like most Americans out there. Um, but you know, I'll say, I'll caveat that I, I'm sure a lot of us are afraid a little bit what's happening. And you know, I'm definitely fearful too, you know, definitely cautious moving forward. So 57.7% at the very least chose my pre-populated response of let's buy into this Black Swan event. So you guys are excited about what's coming up ahead. And then the rainbow colors represents that you guys obviously don't like to follow my survey and you guys like to make up all four pages of responses on your own which makes sense because you guys don't like to follow the traditional path <laughs> i don't know what how many of you guys are you know like the red one right there is like was the one that i think i put was it's the beginning of the end the world is coming to a halt and it's a very small sliver there the rest we've got i gotta believe that 57 percent of that is more people who are bullish so i think I'm willing to say that out of our group, most of us are pretty bullish at what's happening ahead. You know, maybe I'm willing to say that two thirds of us are. I put out some survey questions. Um, how do you guys want to invest, right? A lot of you guys are looking to hoard cash in an infinite banking policy too. Uh, let me know if you guys are interested in that. I also had a question put in there. What are you, in the next six months, are you guys looking to pull out uh, stock market stuff and put it into hard assets. About a quarter of you guys are looking to do just that in just the next six months. And how are you playing the recent news? And here's that whole, most of you guys are looking to stay put. The red there is staying put for one or two months. The blue is move stock mutual funds to hard assets. The orange there is stay put for a couple quarters. I think I'm sort of in between the red and the orange stay put for like one or six months. And we'll get into that kind of how the coronavirus thing has been tracking. And then of course, you know, nobody can tell you guys what to do, right? You guys have a plethora of other fun and 
I appreciate the comments. Definitely is entertaining for me to read those. So to put things into perspective, I took this from the ITR report, which I use as um, and sort of an unbiased news source that isn't trying to sell me on gold or something like that, trying to make a referral fee off of gold like everybody else. So they had this slide in here outlining these are black swan events triggered by something. So for example, the 9-11 was probably the best comparison to what's happening today where you can point to one specific thing that happened you know planes going into some towers the start of the war in that instance S&P went down 8.2 percent and the decline in S&P was just one month and then a few other if you guys remember in history if you guys were around those are some other triggers today's one is the coronavirus and the oil price wars but the thing that's different as opposed to the 9-11 and some of these others, like the economy kept on moving. It wasn't like how it is, for, at least for the next couple of weeks, where it seems like everything is just halted, like complete stop. People can't leave their houses. So I am in a uh, mastermind and we had just wrapped up this call yesterday. There were over a hundred of us in this call and I wanted to communicate and bring filter down some of the topics that we talked about in this group. And just know that these are highly active investors. They do over a hundred flips per year. So some of the, not saying like some caveat this, like these aren't the things that you guys should do, but just giving some insights on what other higher level people closer to the action are doing. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to fill vacancies as soon as possible, may need to reduce rents. They're trying to lock up month-to-month leases from six, nine, or 12-month leases. And also, you know, it's also the opposite, right? They might be turning guys to month-to-month leases just to keep the person in the house, get occupancy. If they got credit cards, they're trying to call up the credit card, trying to prepay the vendors out of those, trying to monetize the credit lines. They are cutting their direct marketing, which are those annoying postcards that I'm sure a lot of you guys get. But, you know, this is the kind of the level where these guys play at. They, they spend $5,000 to a quarter million dollars a month on, on a direct marketing campaign. A lot of them aren't touching their TV ad and pay-per-click, which are the online ads. Maybe part of that is we're all stuck at home, right? I mean, our internet's a little bit slower. And they are also decreasing the overhead. And I think that's something to kind of key in on in the future is that are people getting fired. This is that continued getting their HELOC in cash now because the, the nice thing about the HELOC is that it's cheap. The bad thing about the HELOC is that in theory, the banks can just change the rules on you. And a lot of you guys kind of fight me on that. I'm like, well, you know what? You can believe me or not, but when the bank does it, don't come crying to me because I told you. Maybe if you're not even using the cash out of your HELOC, maybe you just monetize it, stick it in the bank. Of course, you're going to have to pay your, your rates on that, but you know, access to cash might be important. And these are for highly active investors, right? You guys are passive investors. You may not want to do, do the same thing. It may not be worth it to you. A lot of these guys are getting quotes to refinance their properties on interest rates that are 5% or higher. This should help if any of the tenants struggle to pay rent and then they need 
cache to kind of overlay that. They are re-quoting insurance rates to help lower your expenses. So and if you guys are looking for a couple quick insurance referral sources and you want to price price them out because you got nothing better to do than fiddle your thumbs and you want something to do and you don't want to play with your kids because you've been playing with your kids for the past week, shoot me an email and then um, maybe with how many properties and I'll, I'll kind of connect you with my folks there. And hopefully you can save some money. And just be aware that people's jobs and incomes will be affected by the crisis. A lot of these guys are boots on the ground. They are interfacing with tenants and maybe that's some of us too and we're just trying to prepare financially for tenants to be laid off in on my operational side as a general partner and a couple dozen of these apartment deals our action plan is pretty much the same across the board we are upgrading sanitation procedures staying at home per guidance of cdc closing the local offices and moving more towards remote just to um, comply with the local guidelines. We're still working, telling our tenants who are doing work orders, um, but we're being smart about it, right? We're not fixing things just to fix it. And I think we have a little bit of grace from our, our tenants to know that, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time that we're not going to go fix all something that doesn't need to be fixed right away. Also saving a little bit of cash there too uh, with some of the salaries of the uh, the property management staff and the work staff. Um, new prospects are being directed to the websites and some self-guided tours are being given with proper identification so they don't screw up the property. And then uh, we are kindly reinforcing that rent is still due. A lot of uh, folks out there, they are reading the news. Some of them are just learning about this whole coronavirus thing. A lot of the tenants are maybe just like kids. They're just they're selective on hearing. So they hear all this stuff about, oh, now they don't have to pay the rent. But here is a, an example of kind of what we're sending out. We're firmly reminding people that, look, man, you got to pay your rent, dude. You know, something like this, maybe if, you, if you're a landlord doing it yourself, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea just to reconfirm things. And, um, and we'll talk about this it, a little bit more in the presentation, but I think the important thing is just to be compassionate. Everybody is kind of suffering through this thing. Um, and then on the right side there, I've been kind of looking at all kinds of different things. I'm in a lot of groups and this came up, this tenant protector plan, supposedly for like nine bucks a month or something like that, they will cover occurrences on skip eviction and coverage. If you guys are looking for something like that, I have a couple options like that in the in my bag of tricks. If you guys want to shoot me an email, I can connect you with them. I personally don't, don't like to use that stuff because you know, there's a reason why these guys sell insurance. It's to make money. And you know, if you're an investor, there's a certain amount of risks that you need to be taking to make money. Again, as general, as a general partner and sponsor of these deals, some of the, the higher changes I'm making is I'm staying away from C-class deals because they are the probably the first ones to lose their job and they have absolutely nothing in savings a lot of times and especially the smaller deals are the ones that are kind of struggling i i would say struggle struggle more in tougher times because you just don't have the economies of scale number two from an underwriting perspective we are using a four percent interest rate and only two years of interest only when kind of running our our initial projections. 
the last deal that we closed, we rate locked on March 6th. That was Friday. And that was the very low of the rates at current times. We got a phenomenal 3.23%, 15-year term. That is unheard of. Most of the past deals we've done were like 7, 8, 12 year at the, I think the 12 year was the longest, but now we have a 15 year on a 30 year amortization and four years of interest only, but still we are going to underwrite with 4% and two years interest only just to be conservative. And from an underwriting's perspective on the numbers of two years interest only really doesn't change the total return too much, but the rate's a little bit more impactful. And we are also increasing our assumed economic vacancy just to add a little bit of cushion into the model also. So that's how we're changing up our from an underwriting and acquisition standpoint. Still looking for deals out there, just being a little bit more cautious. I think there's a lot of anxiety, even amongst you guys. And I just want to remind you that this is exactly why you invested in multifamily real estate and real estate in general, where you're catering to workforce housing, regular people. So if you kind of follow this track, each of these boxes, moving from one box to the other could represent a few days or maybe even a few weeks. But to get to that point in the upper right-hand corner where it actually impacts us, takes a while. So if you follow this, you know, the black swan event, yeah, that happened. Definitely fear has been setting in. Stock market retracts 10 to 20%. That has happened. Business income decreases. Now that will happen. Hasn't, I mean, I'm sure it's happened in the past week, but we're kind of in the beginning of this. Now, I think the thing to watch out for in the news, and be careful what news you do watch, companies cut jobs, and then that is when the tenants will feel feel the pain, and they can't pay rent. But why do we invest in real estate in the first place? Well, housing is the last thing to stop paying, but many people live paycheck to paycheck. And going back to the couple slides back, like what can you do as a landlord? Maybe the, maybe the thing to do now is to like get on the phone and talk to people. You know, let's be compassionate, see what they are. And maybe in the process, we can say, hey, man, just as a reminder, you got to pay your rent. Don't forget that you, you, and maybe we can work something out that you pay it first. I, I've been hearing guys go offer incentives. They will give a $50 Grubhub or, you know, Olive Garden gift card if you pay your rent early, for example. Um, anything to get the collections up. And then on the right side, market vacancies go up, decrease market rents. And at, th at that point, you're talking months into the future here for it to lower income, operating income, which means less income, and then affect the caps. This is more guided towards you guys, passive investors. These are just some potential action plans, and I'm not advocating for all these or any of these. I'm just giving ideas. But number one, figure out what your personal job status is. I've only heard of like maybe like two or three of you guys getting fired or laid off or a couple of you guys actually are using this up as an opportunity to cross your fingers and get a severance pay because you were going to quit anyway. <laughs> Good job there. Um, but figure out like what is, you know, you, cash flow, whether you get it from properties or your job is the same. Cash flow is your oxygen. You need oxygen to survive and put food on the table. So figure out that first. And from there, hopefully you're good. Number two, might be a good idea to cut some costs. Like I said, redo with some insurance quotes. Reach out for me for those uh, referrals there if you're looking for something to do. 
Number three, monetize some lines of credit. And then number four, I've talked to a few of you guys this past week about this. You know, you guys have some California rentals with a lot of equity, a few hundred thousand dollars of equity or more. Dude, now's the time to be either selling that thing or harvesting the debt equity because the Fed rates went lower, but a couple of weeks ago, it, the interest rates sort of spiked, temporarily spiked higher. And you guys can read that that podcast on it where the normally the 10-year treasury tracks the interest rates and it tracks the Fed rates, but the 10-year treasury and the Fed rate actually decoupled. I don't all understand it. You can listen to it right there if you're an academic type of person. In my opinion, I think a lot of like the California markets, the frothy areas, the A-class areas, the primary markets, well, maybe not the A-class areas, but the primary markets where this thing is hitting the hardest, where there's a lot of um, density population, where California and Washington got hit the hardest initially and now New York. I think there's just a lot of fear and housing prices in those areas because it's residential is governed by comps. That is going to get hit the hardest. Uh, you know, that's why you invest in commercial real estate, man, right? Like it's all numbers, net operating income, not really any emotion involved. Before you, you know, that, that starts to take an effect, the fear starts to get in and, you know, leach into residential home prices. Maybe it might be a good time to lock in that appraisal and get that HELOC or that debt equity out with a new refinance. Some other things to think about especially for accredited investors, you know, for those of you guys who have money to lose and are willing to take in a higher level of reward in exchange for risks, might be time to follow what the pros like Ken McElroy are doing and getting to heavy value add and distancing yourself from the amateur REI groupies out there buying those C-class properties. They buy those C-class properties and especially the small ones because they don't have that much money. You know, citing that podcast by Ken McElroy that he did with the real estate guys maybe a few weeks ago, I would take a listen to that. A lot of good ideas there. And, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, there's no cash flow. I'm like, well, you're a credit investor. You shouldn't need cash flow from this deal. Some of the deals you go into are going to be shoot for the moon type of deals where you don't need cash flow for three, four years. And But as long as you go and property capitalize so you can complete all the construction and get through the initial lease-up phase, you should be fine. Uh, number two here, the ITR guys, and I you know, keep mentioning them. Um, they're an unbiased news source, in my opinion, and they're big, big, predicting a big growth from the year 2021 to 2030. I mean, a lot of signs point that way, despite what you hear in the Permabear News Network. I mean, yeah, so ITR is saying that we're kind of going on for another cycle. I am thinking Trump will probably win the election. Be interested what kind of, you know, tricks he pulls out of his bag, maybe even in negative interest rates to uh, really sock it to the savers out there who've been saving their money and, you know, just create more growth, right? It's uh, There isn't a third term for him, right? He can do whatever he wants at that point. Number three, whatever you do, I I would say stop listening to the perma bears like Peter Schiff, Chris Martinson. They are trying to freak you out and sell you on gold and their newsletter subscriptions. That is their passive income. The game is like they just call the next recession so they can put it on their website so they can be the person who called the last. I believe that this is the time to go in 
um, now, which is why I'm personally, you know, I'm probably going to hold like a few months and we'll talk a little bit where the coronavirus is taking us. But of course, when I say going in, I'm going in with a minority portion of my portfolio. I reiterate that I want, and that's, that was really the inspiration between doing this video report today is because I think a lot of times you guys will read my emails, maybe hear it in an audio form, but no, that's the form that we have today is you guys can ask questions at the end of this presentation and we can kind of talk through some of this stuff and it can kind of be a two way street and, for a lot of every situation is different. That's why I'm really trying to ramp up my investor calls with you guys. If, or if you haven't talked at all, let's get on the phone. Like we need to have a personal relationship. Um, if you, you guys, that should be rule number one. You don't invest with anybody you don't know, like, or trust. Anything I can help on, let me know. Or just shoot me a quick email. Um, some other things to think about. Form your entity sooner than later. And in case the government offices close or deem that non-essential. I know in Kansas and Ohio, a lot of the courthouses have closed, so they can't assign their wholesaling contracts. You know, I mean, if you're looking to form an entity, get on that as soon as you can. Um, rent control and evictions, you know, with the government kind of stepping in here with some helicopter money in front of that. And I asked, like, why do you still own rentals in blue states? Makes no sense to me why you still have that. I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse. And just remember, all this is, you know, we don't have answers yet. I'm just trying to offer some guidance and directions and some things to cue in on. And I put this image here. because This is the metaphor that I'm using for what's going on. Right now, everybody has stopped working. And we're all in this sort of traffic jam. Nobody can go anywhere. You know, maybe uh, to get take this another level forward, the businesses are the big trucks, the little class D, class B tenant in the cars. You got the Hyundai there. You got the BMW there. We're all stuck. Nobody can go anywhere. So maybe just a little bit of compassion is what, what is needed here in this situation. You know, for the guy, little guy in the Honda, you know, he can't pay his rent potentially, right? And I think that this is where the government is, needs to kind of come in. And this is what the government is made for. And you hear terms like universal basic income, which I know it probably makes the hair stick up in the back of your, your neck when you start hearing that. But, you know, we'll see what the government comes up with um, in terms of like, we need it. We need it. We need some help. I think average person needs some help. The economic out outlook moving forward and here's some things to kind of watch out uh, and be aware of some knee-jerk reactions by the government like the zero percent fed rate that happened i think monday and i apologize some of these days run into one another because i've been self-quarantining at home for the past week and i got a little bit of cabin fever so they're looking at multiple rounds of stimulus going through and a lot of this is done very hastily and I think that is kind of nice. I think that's positive because ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to pump a whole bunch of money into the economy. It will probably impact the stocks favorably to the tune of maybe a 500 point gain here or a 300 point gain here. And eventually we'll get back to where we were. Um, but I think what's really going to happen is the real hard assets, that is really what's going to feel get get the impact from that i mean yeah they can sign something in the law but that money is not going to get into the system until like five to ten years down the road one of the last jobs i had was to do the uh 
the 2008 uh, Recovery Act. My project was about $80 million to build high-speed rail or who knows what it was. By the time we built the damn thing, it was like 2012. And most of that time was through permitting and just like um, design work. And it's just amazing how slowly the, the government works and how slowly the money gets to people, which is why, you know, like traditionally most people don't like the UBI universal basic income or thousand dollar stimulus checks. And originally I would have agreed, but after seeing how slow the government actually works, you know, sending out checks maybe isn't a bad idea than giving it to JP Morgan chase, those kind of type of people and have it, have the money filter to them as they take their cut. Number two, remember that the economy was doing well before the coronavirus. And I personally believe that it is a true black swan event. Um, and also the, the oil issue is in there. Oil cannot trade at 20 to $30 a barrel. This, again, the Saudis and Russians are trying to bury that price down to a point where the smaller United States operators cannot compete where it just doesn't make sense to pump oil at $20 a barrel. And this is something you guys can kind of track. It, it, you're going to have to proactively track this on your own because then the news doesn't care about that. They're too concerned with the coronavirus. But a lot of people say that this is much more important than what's happening with the coronavirus at the time. And uh, so one of the questions that came up is, all right, what's happening with if this kind of continues on? And here's my analogy. I call it the great musical chair game. So I picked a picture out of the uh, internet with four chairs, and maybe you can construe it as class A, B, C, D. But right now, right, there's four people, four chairs. And I remember before this, we were in a housing shortage, and we will be in a housing shortage in the future. So four guys, four chairs, there is going to be a point where right now the music is going to start playing and people are going to need to move around class B people, class C people, class A people will probably have some displacement in, in their jobs. Maybe they will just do a poor job of managing the personal finances and it will be evicted or be forced to move voluntarily or involuntarily. A lot of things can happen, but, Basically, every, you know, a good chunk of people are going to be moving around trying to find a new chair. And what that means is a period of nobody's in, no, no butts are in those seats. And butts in the seats means that uh, landlords like us are collecting rents. So in a way, it's kind of like everything's up in the air for that short time. But we all know that things definitely come back down at some point. The, the thing is, like, how long is this? this moment of zero gravity going to take place. In my opinion, you know, maybe a month, maybe a few months. I think that's sort of reasonable time to expect. And this is why the larger properties, I believe, have a better ability to withstand this because it's not like you have a, a duplex and both the units go out and now you're 0% occupancy, you can't pay the mortgage, right? With a bigger property, now you're talking on smaller scales in terms of either 62% occupied, 71%, 0.5% occupied, right? It's better steady state. The tailwinds, some good news here in the bunch. Unemployment benefits um, should be also part of these stimulus packages, and these should help the tenants. One thing I want to say about these unemployment benefits, I hear both ways in the news. 
people are getting fired. I also hear stories. But then you also see like unemployment uh, lines at, un at the unemployment offices. And it's like, dude, like we've only been like in this for like three days or a few days. Like how much of it is just people trying to get a free handout? I don't know. So that, I mean, that's the way I look at news articles and I would encourage you to do the same. Number two, a good news for us is it's tax time. And although a lot of us are aware, or maybe you're not aware, but the taxes sort of got extended to July. Um, I recommend all you guys to always be filing in October anyway. I don't know why people do feel like the taxes are due in April 15th. Um, but most of our tenants, that's, that's the world they live in, right? That's the normal conventional wisdom that they live in. So they will be, most of them will be receiving a tax refund because they don't, you know, that's the way the W-4 is created. So people who can't kind of save money, this is the government tries to force save them. So that's, that helps sort of in the interim that hopefully they have a tax refund coming back. Um, the red states, a lot of like the Alabamas, the Texases, red states, what I mean, red states, Republican type of states where it's landlord friendly, they are not restricting evictions yet, like how they're doing in California and a lot of the blue states. However, courts are closing or, or moving to the, you know, the limited services model. Number four here, government programs to watch um, possible tax extensions. I know in one of the states we're operating in, they, they said, well, you don't have to pay your taxes right away. And although most of our, ours are on escrow, you know, something if you're kind of your individual landlord, you might want to look at maybe pushing it back, you know, no, and no penalty. Figure it out. Think for yourself and do your due diligence. I'm not telling you can, you can't. Um, just having you be aware. I don't want you to not pay your taxes and you get a big tax bill. You're not going to blame me. Again, something else to be a lookout for, cash disbursements. The idea of sending out $1,000 checks to everybody. Negative and negative interest rates. Right? I mean, t Trump has alluded to this. I think that if he does it before he gets elected, for the average person who doesn't understand how money works, they would think that they would get really upset and they wouldn't vote for him. But I think since a lot of us are investing our money anyway in things that outpace inflation and will definitely outpace the uh, what negative 1% or negative half a percent negative rates that the Fed would put in place, I mean, that's that'd be nothing for us. But for the average American, it'd be like, it'd be a slap in the face, but I'd be kind of excited for that. If that started to happen, I mean, that just, I think that what that does is that just accelerates people who are investing the right way forward. Another thing to be on the lookout for, I haven't really fully vetted this thing, but it's like the cares act. I think it stands for like Corona something, something, something act. So some things that I've, been tipped off maybe you can take out a hundred thousand dollars from retirement for we don't know what maybe you know it's probably for to pay your bills but maybe you can put it into like hp i don't know right like you gotta we'll see how this plays out um, it's alluding to extra relief for people cash checks and then the fmla is looking like it's changing um, here's a little bit of a, a chart. Again, I don't know if this is set in stone yet, but this is some of the news that I've been reading, like how, you know, based on your filing status, your income, um, how much money you might be looking to get. 
how we're going to pay for this, um, who knows, but, um, I think what it means in the, in the midterm, like five, 10 years is like, you're going to start to see a lot of this money. You know, you have to inflate this out of the budget and how you do that is you just inflate everything. And so the people owning real hard assets are going to be the beneficiary of the government inflating the money supply and, and kind of making their debts dissipate. So here is my comments on the whole coronavirus. We all know about the whole without um, measures and the protective measures, the whole hashtag flattening the curve idea. Not going to get in, into any of that because it seems like it's really political and I seem to get people really fired up. The question here is like, will the 14-day social isolation solution work? I'm not saying if it will work, it's not, but what is interesting about this black swan is we can sort of see with like, you know, how many cases there are increasing or decreasing if the stuff we are working on works all much to a point where maybe tomorrow we can see some traction and we'll be out of this in the next 14 days. And it's just life back to normal. Like sort of like the Hulk, getting all the five infinity stones and snapping his finger and we're just out of this. I would watch the what's happening in China and Italy. I mean, of course, China has proclaimed victory against the coronavirus, but who knows if we can trust what they say, of course. People are asking in terms of like in investors in our deals, like, well, what's happening? It's like, well, nothing has happened. You know, that's why I invested in multifamily real estate and we'll see what happens in the April collections. Most of our properties are at 95% occupancy with adequate reserves. So I think we're pretty good going into this. A few of them are at 90%. I'd probably like it to be more at 95%. But um, at this point, we are suspending distributions for at least a month or two because, you know, going back to point number two here, will the 14-day social isolation solution work? Or will it be 30 days? Or will it be 60 days? We do not know. Uh, number five, how much, watch the government support, right? Will that uh, mitigate 28-day social isolation experiment? Here's our steps that we're taking. You know, of course, we have adequate cash reserves, and that's the reason why we have it, um, why we raise the extra capital to uh, withstand things like this. But we are going to cut costs, exhaust those cash reserves, and then... Um, it's got to be a, a few months for this to start to happen. But the next step is to ask help from the lenders via forbearance. And then um, I am fully committed to uh, coming in as a general partner and um, opening up my own wallet and feeding the beast, making sure that these deals are cash flow neutral, essentially giving the deal a 0% loan. If anybody want to be a general partner now, let me know. Because <laughs> that's what comes along with the territory. And then, um, you know, the last resort, of course, is the LP um, capital call. But, you know, if that ever comes into play, we'll talk about that. You know, that's, that's why investing. And I, but I think when you are in the arc of a larger deer, I think it's more times better than kind of out there on your own. Um, you know, I've, I've offered some advice for some of you individual direct investors with your own rental properties. We're all kind of in the same, same uh, situation. Remember that the fundamentals of work source housing are still there. Everybody needs a place to live and there was a housing shortage initially. And we might even see some of the institutional money wake up and like 
see the stability that multifamily or workforce housing, mobile home parks bring. And um, since we're already in, I might see a little bit of a windfall due to that. You know, remember, I don't have any stock holdings, so I'm not one to give any stock advice. I hear it all the time from amateurs. Yeah, now's the time to get back in. Now's the time to uh, slowly increase your holdings. It's going to go back up. Or the, well, the one that, I don't know, I mean, people will say, oh, we'll never go to zero. Well, yeah, it'll never go to zero, but like, so does nothing, right? I mean, as long as you're in, like, not penny stocks, it shouldn't go to zero. So that ain't, good, that ain't a good excuse to me. Rothschild said time to buy is when there's blood in the streets. And I do believe that there's a little blood in the streets at this point. I think it could get worse. That's for sure. And um, Warren Buffett says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Um, but a lot of investors I talk to that are have been doing this since like the Jimmy Carter years say that, hey, man, this is the time where I made a whole boatload of money. Because everybody was afraid with this black, a black swan event at the era. And I believe this is a true black swan event we're in. This is the opportunity. Sorry if you got hit on the chin. Like maybe that's the wake-up call that you need to get out of the fake stocks. If you guys are um, still doing that, you probably know more than I do with that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not willing to um, argue on that. Um, of course, the, we all know the point of maximum financial risk is where the euphoria is highest and the point of maximum financial opportunity is when I don't know what despondency is but think of it as panic and depression fits in I think we are at the stage of anxiety denial and fear I don't know maybe like ask me in a month or two from now maybe desperation will start to set in um, one question and, and you guys can start Putting in some of your questions here, I'll start to answer it. But some questions I got, what are your thoughts on the multifamily investing space? I've seen some of your posts referring that class A will suffer the most and people will default to class B and below. I also saw that in some areas of the government has outlawed evictions due to a lot of questions in that question. But to answer the first one, I'm still bullish in multifamily investing. I mean, you, you buy where the numbers make right, right? That's why we bought the stuff when it cash flows from the beginning. So that in times like this, all we, all we do is maybe we slow down the rehabs and we just hold through the tough times. I mean, in a way, this coronavirus thing is sort of like a natural disaster, although I think we're all kind of safer in our homes. I mean, luckily, there's not bombs blowing off on top of our heads. There's a lot of parts in the world where that's happening. And, um, but the cool thing is at any moment, you know, they could find a cure. The cases could just dissipate and it could just be clear skies ahead. We don't know. Um, that's what makes me kind of bullish. And especially now when like the, I hope that the government does all these stimulus activities out of fear, kind of inflates the money supply because as investors, you know, we're the ones who kind of benefit from that upper trend and in inflation where it's all the savers that lose out. So I'm pretty bullish. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the great musical chair dance, how things will move down. And also caveat that class, you know, the class A's I think will suffer, but let's break that down, right? Like what kind of class A, what kind of submarket? You, you haven't walked that block. You don't know that submarket. Class C could be fine as long as you're, I think, in a class A area. There's a lot of properties like that in Phoenix, for example. And like take a submarket like Arcadia. You have like a 1970s, 1960s property um, a few blocks away from the, 
the main drag where all the, the yuppie uh, bars and restaurants are, that's, that's, I would go all in on something like that. Uh, what if people stop paying? Imagine the sponsors will look for government. Yeah. And we kind of talked about that. The, um, we're still a couple months away from even enacting some of those options at this point. At this point, we're kind of in, in a kind of holding pattern. And, um, you know, sorry to investors, but we just feel like it's prudent not to pay out. We're going to pay out distributions this month, but we're just going to put a hold on that. We just feel like it's prudent in wake of this unprecedented thing happening. Question here, what do you call, oh, some of the things I have on the screen here. So ITRs, this, these are some of the indicators that they are looking at and they're generally bullish coming out of the coronavirus thing. Um, going to the question box here, what do you call heavy value add is it class A assets? So heavy value add doesn't necessarily mean that it's a class A, B or C or D. Heavy value add, I would define that as anything more than $10,000 of rehab development per unit. And that can range from you know, some, of, some projects like in Phoenix, for example, where you have a class C 1960s property and you want to get it up to that where the market is and you know in terms of the submarket a class a submarket you're going to have to do 20 10 to thirty thousand dollars of rehab per unit so that means a lot more than your basic appliances and flooring you're basically gutting the whole thing and you're putting maybe in granite in there and a whole new bathroom yeah it's just a lot of money to do that that is what i consider a heavy value add and heavy value add can also mean just total ground up construction too. So again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're building class A assets. Although when you do build something new, especially development, it makes no sense to build a class B or C asset because you're already in there. You already tore it up. You already have your mobilization costs, et cetera. That if you're going to get in there, it's a no brainer. You got to make it class A. With quantitative easing, and the Fed pumping fake money into the system, doesn't that expand the currency crisis? Current thoughts on inflation and how long do you think paper money will exist? I don't know how to answer this, my friend. Um, I'm not a huge expert in currency. And I just know that that certain, like there's a certain percentage, like one third of, of an average person's salary should pay their rent or the mortgage. And I don't really get into like trading Forex or anything like that. I try and focus on finding deals that are under market rent that I can buy for less than what I should be. So I don't, all, all I can comment on is inflation. I mean, as I understand it, like to pay for all these bailouts, to pay for all this like fake money, to pay to pay everybody a thousand dollars, all a hundred to 200 million potential people getting those checks you're going to need, you're going to have this huge run up in debt. And the best way to get rid of that is to inflate how much money you have by inflating your money. You essentially make that debt smaller. And this is the, this is the exact reason why, you know, buying real estate is such a, a good thing because, you know, you buy your, your parents bought a property maybe 50 years ago at, $10,000 and their mortgage, yeah, mortgage is $10,000. So they owe $10,000 today. Well, maybe 30 years later, 
that that $10,000 is nothing, right? You, a lot of you guys could probably pay that $10,000 mortgage in a matter of a few weeks. And that's sort of the premise that is the best way for governments like the United States to get rid of their debts by just, it's sort of insidious way of doing it because instead of raising taxes, which pisses people off and makes people not vote for their politicians, they just inflate the money supply. And, and in a way you can kind of trick unsophisticated public that, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't the Democrats. It wasn't the Republicans. It was just inflation. It was just this ghost that kind of took everybody's value or their, their buying power away. How do you feel about mobile home parks this year? I think mobile home parks are definitely a recession proof asset. Um, just like, you know, solid class B in, in better markets. We had a call yesterday where kind of talk going through some of the, uh, the proactive plans we're doing. We're having some run-ups in people looking to inquire for mobile home parks. So that's good news. But it's still too early to tell, right? I mean, we, we're all talking. I'm just talking in theory, right? In, in theory, it all feels feels fine. This is the exactly place you want to be because when people get foreclosed out of their house or can't pay their Class B or Class A apartment, where do they go? Well, they go to a mobile home park. A lot of good people in America, solid tenants, making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. This is their only option. Uh, if you had a hundred grand in 401k, would you start to pull all of that out right now? Be ready in the next six months to invest rather than let the S and P 500 drop further. It seems to be about timing right now. If we are on the downslope of the curve, I don't know which, if the market's going to drop even more or go up, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know how to really answer. Like if it were me, I wouldn't, I don't have any stocks or mutual funds. I think that's all retail fake investments. Def, I think a lot of people are realizing that maybe their strategy that had the run up in the last five years maybe wasn't working. And maybe this is just part of it. Easy come, easy go. All I know is like, if you don't invest, you don't start to learn about it. Just like how I put money in this oil and gas deal and I might lose money the first, or I might not make any money the first couple of years. But unless I started the process, I would have never learned about it. So that's what I'm kind of doing now before I you know, tell you guys about it. If deals come up with your cash flow, I, I think you can't go wrong. But it's tough, right? Like when you're in a no, lower net worth situation, you're still trying to put food on the table. Where a lot of credit investors, you know, I think a lot of you credit investors are just kind of salivating over it. Like, yeah, now let's get into this. But it has to start somewhere. But some parting words here, you know, number one, guard your mind because there's a lot of just nonsense out there, especially social media. It's all negativity. Uh, number two, protect your body. You know, you guys can't go to the gym. We're going to do the, some burpees after this if you, if you guys would like to join us. Number three here, live aloha. And aloha is kind of a ubiquitous term, but I'm like, be compassionate, you know, chill out, dude. Like, I get it. Like, we all need to kind of stay at home and do our part, but like, I don't know, just try and be more compassionate to our tenants, to like people who, you know, aren't playing around with this uh, coronavirus things and guys who are like taking it like very emotionally. I think we all just need to just relax and slow down. And, you know, things are changing, but it's expected to be changing. Very interesting times we're living in.
later on today, 5 p.m. Pacific, let me know. Shoot me an email if you guys would like to join in on our webinar. We're going to do some burpees. I hope I can do it in less than 10 minutes. Because 10 minutes is a long time to do anything. But this is the final call for any last-minute questions. Uh, a question here. Will this affect cap rates and property values in the near future? As I said earlier with this diagram, it takes to go from one box to another. It could take maybe a few days, could take a few weeks. Right now, I would say we are at this first box or this third box and maybe even this fourth box. So after that happens, the tenants are going to have to can't pay rent. And this is why I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just offering guidance on what will happen in the future. Maybe we do another call like this. There is no light at the end of the tunnel at this moment. There's not a cure. And uh, we don't know if the 14-day quarantine will work. You know, we've seen what happened with Italy, uh, South Korea, and China, but we don't have a common estate where people actually follow directions, right? Like Hawaii has like a 14-day ban on like people, or not 14-day ban, but 14-day quarantine where people fly into Hawaii, they have to register, and they can't leave their place of shelter, which is a hotel or where they're staying. But like Mike, the question is like, how the heck do you regulate this thing, right? This isn't Japan where like you say something and people actually follow directions. This is America. And this is what makes our country great, right? Opinions. And this is why I got like 50 different responses to the same question on the survey from you guys, from just this one population. Um, so to answer that question, will this affect cap rates in the near future? Um, yes, it will. If we keep moving down these steps. Right. It t it's going to take systemic vacancies and systemic lower market rents for this to bring down the cap rates. But then I argue, like, who cares? Right. Like, if you're in a deal with like long terms, I mean, you just hold out. That's that's part of the hybrid strategy. And while everybody is, if that continues, you can imagine what's happening to your equities, your stocks, your mutual funds. I mean, now you're talking about people losing an additional 20, 30, 40, 50% in their, their stocks. I mean, it probably could go down. I would say if, if the, this continues for another two to three months and there's not severe government intervention, I would say the stock market goes, the Dow goes down to like 15,000 or 10,000. And if the worst is that, you know, you got to kind of feed, to keep your uh, properties and weather the storm. I think it's, um, I think you're better than most. I mean, it's like having, having four cases of toilet paper where everybody else has like a six pack. I think you're, I think as long as you're not the worst in the group or the population, I think you're probably going to be best, better off. Um, if there's not any more questions, uh, appreciate every of you guys coming out. And um, if we haven't chatted before, make sure you guys set up a call so we can talk. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information you take your in. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk.